0: Hey, everyone. Welcome back to the arena. I'm MD, joined here by Matt, and once again, a really special guest here that we really can't wait to get into. But before we get into that conversation, love and appreciation to those who continue to follow. What's up, guys? Uh,
1: We've got another awesome guest here, like MD said. This is Dr. Chris Lee. Chris is a uh, trauma survivor turned to consultant, coach uh, in in neuroscience. Uh, He builds a lot of content. Uh, to educate people on how to find purpose, self-worth, kind of manage stress through self-regulation and science. He's also got his own podcast uh, called The Healthy Mind Fuck. Um, so congratulations on the podcast. I know I know how much work it can be. Um, but without further ado, Chris, just first of all, thanks for, thanks for coming on here and uh, sharing some wisdom with, with us and our listeners. Why don't you just provide a little bit of a background of, like, who is Chris Lee and kind of how you got to where you are today?
2: yeah absolutely thanks for having me here guys uh more than anything whenever i get on these podcasts it's like oh give yourself a little intro it's like famous last words we're going to be here for like four hours going into this story but for a lot of people that like come into this space that they finally like find their purpose i think a lot of people see the outside perspective and it's like oh it had to be like this like this is like the perspective like there was no other way that this like could have happened And I feel like the complete opposite where like I got hit in the back of the head by like a two by four of purpose and it's like, oh, okay, that makes a little bit more sense. But I never in a million years, if you would ask me like six, seven, eight years ago, like, what do you want to be doing? Like, oh yeah, I'm going to finish up, you know, 10 years of school and I'm going to make TikToks all day. uh, And then like, you know, go give talks on stage. Cause I was like absolutely terrified of like public speaking and stuff like that. So My name is Chris, and what I do now is I run a consulting agency, I run a media firm, and I'm an executive coach to Fortune 100 uh, company executive boards. And all that really breaks down into something really simple is that I help people be seen, heard, and validated through science, uh, which a lot of people find is exceptionally scary. And the path that got me here was not gentle, it was not kind, but it was the one that allowed me to initiate a lot of healing in my own life. So if you wind back the clock, about six years now, six and a half years, um, you would have find little old 23 year old Chris uh, in his doctorate program. And I was a year into it. And for sure, the thing that was going to happen, finish up this degree, I'm gonna graduate, I'm going to get the white picket fence. I'm going to work a nine to five. I'm going to have 1.6 kids, 2.5 dogs, like the whole thing. I'm going to have a wife. I'm going to get a Corvette when I'm 45, probably get a divorce at 46. Like I'm going to do like the whole, like, I'm just kidding. But like (laughs) I was going through like the American dream type of thing. And it was like, oh my gosh, like how exciting is this going to be? And like, I was never really excited um, because something inside of me just knew that it was wrong. And one thing led to another let's just go down that path and i started to not be able to fall asleep at night and this like occurrence is so common in so many people that we started to aptly name it white ceiling syndrome where you're laying on your back at night looking up at the white ceiling just wondering like is this it like this 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 is what i'm supposed to be doing like this is the thing and it kind of turns into like this like divine comedy of like OK, so like I am an impossible biological figure, a nonlinear, multi-dimensional being that is living through time. And I'm not getting to use that time. Somebody else is using that time for me. Like, man, that matrix movie is really starting to like look a little bit too like reminiscent, uh, a little bit too painful, that. So things started to change painfully. Um, that voice started to get louder, so I started to get better at pushing it down until I couldn't. So I'm a fond believer of listen to the whispers or get the screams. However, that's a really nice like tattoo to get on the inside of your ribcage, but I just never really understood it until I had no other choice but to listen to the screams. So within a matter of nine months, I got hit by a car riding my bike, got hospitalized, lost my physical health, uh 2 weeks later after that of being on bed rest and having my older brother you know bathe me and take care of me and put me in the shower and just basically i mean i love him for that love him for that but just being humiliated in a way that i never thought i could be not by him but just the circumstances like i didn't have the humility to like swallow that down 2 weeks later uh, i lost my dad and truly there's a lot of times and this like this makes me emotional but i feel like i actually lost him um, my dad committed suicide two weeks later. Out of nowhere, out of the blue, no warning, no letters, no no anything. Um, and that anniversary is actually coming up here pretty soon. And anybody that's ever known somebody to go through suicide or if you've gone through it yourself, it's a lot different than death. It's a lot different than like knowing that somebody's got cancer or like you get to have those finals because this was you know, two and a half weeks before, it was like, hey dad, I'll see you in three weeks at the barbecue, and he's like, yep, I love you, do great, he's like, I'm so proud of you. My dad was like a farmer, turned into a CNC machinist, and has two sons that were getting their doctorates at the same time, he's like, I'm so proud of you, and then, gone. And then, about six months after that, in the healing, I suddenly, at 23, I was gonna be rolling into 24, was a dad. Um, Out of the blue, not on purpose type of thing. Best thing that has ever happened in my life. My daughter is a badass woman. Um, But it was unexpected. And I was super young. And she's going to be turning six up here pretty soon. But um, shortly after she was born, about a year later, a little less than a year, I was suddenly a very single dad um, with my daughter trying to figure out what to do. And I still didn't finish my doctorate. And I felt the crippling pressure of all of the uncertainty in my life trying to swallow me up and i didn't know what to do with it um you take the the necessary routes right the therapy the talking all of this but at a certain point you just have so much going on that it's like the depression got really really quiet and that's when i started to get really really scared Because that voice that used to tell me, oh, this just sucks. Like, dude, how are you ever going to dig yourself out of this hole? The voice went away, but the feeling remained. And I just felt hollow. I felt so hollow. And that's when I really started to get scared. Like, really scared. Um, And not scared, like, oh, I can get out of this. I'm going to get motivated. Scared, like, fuck it, scared. Like, truly, like, fuck it, scared. And it was at that point that... I had a couple things happen in my life that kind of flipped it upside down. One of those things is I got introduced to neuropsychology and neurofeedback at that time. And that completely revolutionized my, my path and my doctorate, my path and my professional degree, and everything else inside of that. And the second thing was I had a mentor of mine um, back from high school when I was working at a foam factory. We made pool noodles and packaging. And called me up and said, hey, I heard about your dad. And he said, this is not gonna be the talk that you really want right now, but it's the one that you need. Life probably sucks pretty hard right now. And I was like, yeah, like it really, like my physical body is trashed and like everything else outside of me is trashed too. And I got a kid by the way, and he goes, yeah, life really sucks then, like really bad. And this is like an old school Mississippi boy turned into like this, like a uh, multimillionaire conglomerate. And he goes, okay. You got to save yourself here. This is the only option, right? Like, and he's he's a rather religious guy. He's like, God dropped you in the ocean knowing that you can swim. God didn't drop you in the ocean, giving you no shoreline in sight just to watch you drown. You can swim, but you have to believe. You have to have that faith. And he's like, you don't have to have faith in anything else. Just believe in yourself. Believe that you can get up every single day for as many days as it takes. And that was it. So with those things armed, he also gave me the the knowledge to say that you're smart, but you have no knowledge. You have no wisdom. It's like, you need to read books. And you don't need to like read like your textbooks. Don't like study biology and cells and all that, which I still love to do He's like, you need to go to the Goodwill <clears throat> on Wednesdays and you need to go hit up five cent or quarter book day, right? If you got no money which i had no money like i think i was down to like my last like 20 bucks or pretty close to that go there with five bucks and get 25 bucks and read like read business books read personal development books and i started to do that and that in combination with the science that i was going down i had what i would say if you've ever had a lighter that's completely out it still sparks right that's what i felt like But I was in such a dark place that those sparks might as well have been fireworks. And that was the thing that gave me faith. That was the thing that gave me hope. That gave me some sense of control of, okay, I feel like a little bit of something. Like, it's not like rainbows and kittens yet, but I can feel something. And that was the turning point for me. And it was actually in a Waffle House. Straight up, it was in a Waffle House. And it was like, late at night, I was trying to just study for boards. I was trying to do all this stuff. And I made this declaration and I originally made it to my daughter that we're not going to come back to this point, right? We're not, I will, I will not be here again and I will be better tomorrow than I am today. I promise. And as time went by, I realized that I needed to make that to myself and I did. And the only thing that I've stuck with, honestly, for the past six years of my life is I owe myself 1% better every day whether that's through self-awareness, self-care, self-worth, journaling, reflection, business tactics, strategy, reading one page on the hard days, what is that 1% that I'm giving myself? And that's brought me to where I am today. I don't, I don't practice anymore, I don't do any of these things, but it brought me to where I am today.
1: So Chris, well thank you for, it's quite an inspiring um, and heavy hitting story. You mentioned like early on, prior to telling it, that you were hit like with a, a two by four in the back of the head with purpose. When did you you had these different series of events? You know, starting with um, being hit uh, by off, off your bike by a car. Was it then when you didn't have your health that you thought you had what was your purpose? Did your purpose evolve when the next event happens to you? And then you have a kid. Um, does the purpose evolve there, and, and, and if so, like, how has it evolved?
2: This is a really good question. What I have come to realize is that not all seeds are created equal. Um, old school, like, farm shit, but if you take, like, a walnut, which has, like, a really hard outer covering, you really got to bury that thing, right? So it has enough time to break sh- through and, like, break down the shell so it can pop up and be this giant walnut tree, because that wood is really hard on a walnut tree, right? Or like a hickory tree and stuff like that. I just kept getting buried more and more, thinking that it was my tomb, but really I was getting buried where I knew I could grow. Like, I needed that pressure in order to kind of get there. And that's what it that's what it was for me. So, like, got hit, and I was like, okay, I got this, right? Like, I, I bounced back from stuff before, you know, I was a collegiate athlete, and I had tears and all this other stuff. like physical body for me is like i got this right it's a sequence but then the emotional hit and then the mental hit and i was like ah, this is this is too much right like this is no longer like oh i got this this is like i'm holding on to like a cliff with like fingertip type of stuff and that was when i realized like i had to let go because like the future that i needed like which is going to sound squirrely like wasn't above it was like falling down but like that was like validation understanding acceptance surrender all the things that i was always told as a man like i shouldn't be doing they were all underneath like that was all that dirty gross shadow work that i needed to bring awareness into and then take action on um and that's the same way that i live my life now and purpose is like a distillation process like i think purpose for a lot of people they think that it has to be like really clear like I help this person do this, or I want to go out and serve this thing. I don't think that that, at least for me, that wasn't it. It was great. What if I start with like this big picture that I want to help people not kill themselves, right? I want to make sure that like dads and grandpas are at Christmas type of thing. It's like, okay, like you start with what, you owe yourself a how. And when you get a how, typically the why is going to drive the fuel of that vehicle right? Because I had a why. I'm like, great. I know what it's like to to not have a dad or my daughter to, like, not have a grandpa or any of these different things. And I am super willing to, like, ramp that up and push that because my my how is pretty simple, right? I'm going to take people that are hopeless, faithless, broken, really broken, and I'm going to show them that they can change, right? Not just, like, oh, like, random, you know, people off the street type of thing, but Addiction clinics, right? People that have been like ripping and tearing on some like pretty nasty stuff, or people that are like, in some cases, have similar stories to me where life just stacked them up and they didn't have the opportunities that I had to move forward. So, what if I can inspire them with business tactics and strategy to help break through some of that stuff? Because, you know, we can all say that, you know, these people are lucky and they're this and that. I don't think it's ever luck, I think it's self generated. Hats. that's like yeah some of this stuff you know have a higher chance or a likely chance to go do that but what if you could ramp that chance up
0: Chris one of the things you mentioned was learning how to accept and surrender and <clears throat> how as men were maybe not so much socially conditioned to do that and I think a lot of us are hardwired to be in control and um, the stretch of time that you had described in your story you were in anything but control and so is you know i think for our listeners uh, not every, uh, surrender is a word that we don't hear every day can you elaborate on like what it means to surrender control ultimately and speak to just the magnitude of not being able to do that as as men maybe why that ultimately leads to our collapses
2: yeah i think that lack of vulnerability that lack of intrinsic emotional availability and it's not even like that we're not emotionally available Like, I think all of us kind of hit that resistance point where it's like, I could, but I don't want to because I don't know what's going to happen because I've never seen it, right? Like, I love my dad, love that guy, but, like, I don't think I've ever seen him cry, right? Like, if he was crying, like, he must have, like, had a finger amputated or something like that on farm equipment type of stuff. like So, like, that vulnerability and that acceptance, like, the more that I started to dive into, like, Healing and my own shit, the more I was like, oh, like if I have a cup and I want to make room in that cup, I have to pour some of what is in that cup out, right? If I want happiness, if I want joy, if I want more purpose, I'm pouring it into a cup that not only has a lid on it, right? I'm not emotionally available, but like it's already full anyways, type of thing. It's like a slushy cup where you could like put the lid on and then fill it all the way up and get a little swirly on the top. That was me. I was at capacity. Right. But I wasn't filled up with like unicorn kisses and, you know, rainbow tears and stuff like that. I was filled up with grief, sadness, anger, frustration, pity, uh, you know, shame. I was filled up with all of that. And the surrender and acceptance that really needs to come through was just acknowledgement of those things. Right. It wasn't trying to go through and say, okay, like, let's like break this thing or like, let's do this or like, let's do that. It's like, no, this is this is where I'm at. It's not good, it's not bad. Doesn't feel fantastic, but this is where I'm at right now. So, instead of trying to like fix it like I'm broken, I'm going to love it. Right? I'm going to love that shame has come into my life and decided to make a home. And instead of saying, "Hey, you're fucked up, you're broken." It's like, "No, the identity of shame is a version of me, right? That I felt ashamed for like not being able to you you know, if we're going to get super real, provide Christmas presents for my daughter when she was one, right? Like I was so flat broke that like when she was one, I'm sitting there in my like raggedy ass apartment and like I I couldn't, couldn't provide. Like I was like, sweet, like I got food for the next week, but I'm like that fucking broke. I was wildly ashamed of that, right? Wildly ashamed. And I don't have a ton of control over what happens in the past, but I can definitely go back and love the versions of myself that felt those things. So it's going back and saying, hey, Chris, at 25, you're like fucked, my man. That like sucks, doesn't it? Instead of saying like, here's all the things that are gonna get you out of the hole. Let me fix you, right? It's going back and going like, dude, sit down, have a coffee. What's up? Like, I'm reading through like <laughs> the last couple months of your life and it looks pretty rough, I'm not gonna lie, right? Like how are you like not like are you okay type of thing but like dude how are you like tell me that you're good let's get through that but like after that like you sleep at night type of stuff and then sitting there shutting up and listening and saying yeah dude i'm not gonna lie that does suck that's rough and helping them validate that instead of like dude that's a weakness if you show that weakness you're a bitch right i grew up in college sports like if you ever went to, like, a college locker room and, like, just started crying because, like, you had a rough game, fuck that, dude. You're, no, 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 right? That's not, that's not it. Yeah, but that's not boy, real. There's
0: no crying in baseball. Yeah.
2: Yeah, there's no crying in baseball, right? There's there's no such thing. And, like, this is the thing is, like, we all know this, though, right? This is, like, a universal thing for men, right? And more so than anything, it's it's going back and picking up the pieces of me that I lost, so, that I gave well... up. Go ahead. <clears throat>
0: Yeah, thanks for that. I mean, I want to go back to rock bottom and, and Waffle House. When you make that declaration, you mentioned your daughter in that declaration. And, you know, at the time of your story, having a daughter at the time that you were having are, just seemed like not the right time. And You know, it's supposed to be like a beautiful, joyous thing that, you know, is hopefully by design. and But this is at a time where you're like, anytime but now. Um, yep. Do you look back and say... And I'm just curious, like how much of that declaration did you have her in your head versus yourself? And do you look back and say like, there could have not been a better time because this was a a driver to um, establish that purpose that I'm not going to go back, not just for myself, but for her as well?
2: This is where, and I'm going to say like, this is like that that weird parenting advice that I got no business giving, but um, I went through and that really simple declaration that I wrote on the Waffle House napkin was, I'll be better today than I am tomorrow. Right, and that was to her, right? Because like I felt like I was such a bad dad. That I'm like, you know, it's it's the dead of winter. Yeah, we got an apartment. We got a bed. We got some food. We got some of these stuff. Like, I got a car. So like, it's things are not like. You know, I look back and say like, it's not like awful, but like, I'm constantly, constantly worried about getting food, constantly worried about having money to go get diapers and stuff like that. And as I started to evolve and I started to move in the principles and the values that I started to live my life through. And again, this is where things get like really squirrely. Um, at least in like the general society stuff is like, I was creating like a codependent attachment onto her, right. That I was doing things constantly for her. And this is like, and, and this is like one of those things where it's like, Oh yeah, I am right. And that's because I started to recognize if I continue this path, my love will continue to be conditional if I continue this path, my motivation will be conditional. If I continue this path, then, man, would I give her this same advice if she has a kid and shit hits the ceiling? It's like, no. No, no, no. I definitely, like, when she is old enough and she's asking me about, like, some of these things, I want her to think back and say, like, oh, no, daddy, like, I don't think there's a day that she's woken up recently in the last five years, maybe prior, that, like, I'm not out here listening, reading, journaling, or like writing, right? That's, that's how she sees like me, right? And I'm like showing her those behaviors and like, I'm not doing it for her. I'm doing it as like a platform. I'm like cultivating the environment around her. So that like when she starts to go do those things, like there's not this codependent attachment on like why or how. It's like, no, baby, be selfish. Like do some of these things, like build up that self-worth, build up that identity, right? Because I was building up this victimhood identity around her, right? Of like, oh, no, I'm doing this so that she can have those things. And I'm not saying that that's necessarily bad. I just recognize that down the road, like what happens when my entire life for the next like 20 years, I do all of this for her. Right I'm just constantly doing this over and over for her, and then she's gone. She goes to college, and it's like who who am I now right like what's what's left like when she left my identity left like I'm no longer dad, right like I'm just this, and I see that so often with parents that their entire life, especially moms, right? I got a super soft spot for moms, and it's like kids leave an empty nest and it's like what do i do and unfortunately i've seen a lot of moms just turn to drinking right because like again like they start to relate with their kids that way again because their kids are 18 20 and it just turns into this weird thing
1: so it, yeah i i i was i was resonating because i feel like i see it a, a ton as well but there's something kind of on what you were saying earlier just in, that resonated with me, one of your more recent posts, and it said, the limitations you can't change are the lost parts of yourself that you refuse to find. Can you just elaborate on this a little bit? And I think you started to answer the question a little yeah. bit, but, like, for me, in, in what I didn't like about myself was, like, my sexuality, so it was, and it was very clear to me, like, growing up, you know, my whole life. So it's just interesting to me, like, what you mentioned it, I think in the caption that there were parts of yourself that you didn't like about yourself and were you were afraid to discover your truth? Like, can you just talk through that, that caption and as well as what the quote I just kind of read?
2: Absolutely. So this really, this whole thing is something called parts work. Um, and this is like uh, what therapists can use a lot of the time. And I found it extremely beneficial with my therapist. And I have um, some coaches that have, you know, gone through and they understand this, but for myself, those parts of me that i was ashamed of the parts of me that were guilty the parts of me that didn't have worth that didn't have values that didn't have all of those things and i just didn't see them as valuable i like threw them away right and i was like ah that doesn't work right like i just sketch that out of here and i only wanted the things that were good right i want to be driven i want to be motivated i want to be healthy i want to be Fit. I want to be, you know, confident. I want to be clever. I want to be smart. I want to be all of these different things, right? But life doesn't exist in one side of that spectrum, right? This this is the encompassing of understanding, um, like good versus evil. Like Frederick Nietzsche talks about this a lot. And it's like life is everything. It's 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 all right. It's good. It's bad. It's ugly. Perception changes those things, because. The person that I am today, the man that I have continued to choose to evolve into, isn't somebody that throws away those parts, right? And I, I, I throw this back to a lot of people of like, okay, can you imagine for a second that my daughter comes back from school or she comes back from like hanging out with her friends and she says, dad, like we, we played soccer or like we had like a drawing contest or something like that and I got last place. And she's like, it feels really bad. And she's like upset and she's crying. And like, unfortunately, a lot of us have gone through that. A lot of guys have gone through this. And he goes, suck it up. Do it again, right? Yeah, that sucks, but be better, right? Like, I cannot imagine me doing that to my kid, right? Like, I literally, I'm like, oh my gosh, like, what an asshole would I be? Truly, like, oh baby, you put a lot of effort into something and somebody else didn't accept it. Yeah, no, you suck, Right, like you're right. You should feel like shit. Like, what the fuck is wrong with me? Right, because that's not that's that's just me shit, right? Like, uh, that's us as adults though. Like, we can laugh about that. Because, like, can you imagine like cursing out like a three year old? Like, yeah, fuck. What is that? Was that what is that a house with like what? Like, no way. But yet. Every time that we put a lot of effort into something and it doesn't get the results, we like make the podcast, make the social media post, and then we don't suddenly have like hundreds of thousands of followers and millions of dollars in the bank. We're like, yo, I'm a piece of shit, right? Like I'm such like, I'm such a piece of trash. No, no, feel what that was, but this is why like we reward effort, not results, right? Like there's like the big thing of you wanna create a perfectionist, only reward results, right? Because then the kid's gonna get attaching, attention, validation, and acknowledgement from their parents when they do good things, and only when they do good things, right? Like I'm a prime example of this, prime example. Grew up on a goddamn farm, right? Like I was out in the, the crick, right? But I really liked soccer. And parents got divorced when I was like 10, and my dad would always show up to games when he heard that I was doing really good, right? So I was like, yo, love my dad, wanna see my dad more. What if I get really good at soccer? Right, like, what if I like just play the shit out of some soccer, right? So I played the shit out of some soccer, and my dad constantly showed up, and he's telling his friends how proud I am. I'm like, yo, fuck this! I'm gonna get up at five a.m. I'm gonna run. I'm gonna be a beast out here, right? And then a couple games go by, like we we lose like the semifinals to like district regionals and stuff like that, and I'm like, I'm d- deflated, right? Like, real deflated. And it's like, no, 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 like, yes, the results are cool, but it's all about the effort. Like, that's how you start to build up some of those things. So. I have to go back through and I have to go collect the parts of me that I threw away that I didn't find value inside of. I had to go back through and say, hey, and this is like that sit down, have coffee with the parts of you you don't love. Sit down and go, hey, I left you behind and I am sorry. I didn't know who you were. I didn't know how much love you really needed. Come on back. Like I've done childhood work with myself where I'll go through with my therapist, close the eyes and go back and like, what's like, if you think of a moment in your childhood that like, it didn't feel good to you, it didn't feel safe, what was that? And you start to like sit down and close your eyes and describe it and it was like, oh yeah, no, it's it's this thing. And he's like, what did you do? And I was like, nothing. I I, I didn't tell anyone about that, are you serious? No, 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 that's, <laughs> they're gone. And are like, no, 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 the memory is there. That part of your identity is still there. Like you wonder why you're not creative. Like, you were drawing pictures, and the only time that you got attention from your dad was, like, through sports, because that's the only thing that he knew to, like, value you as a man, as, like, a young man. No, 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 go get that little motherfucker that's drawing unicorns and shit, and go pick his ass up. So, like, when I went back there, and I go through, and I start to go through, like, memory regression and parts work, I'm going through, and it's like, oh, I remember me when I was, like, seven, right? Right? And the only thing that I wanted to do when I was seven was just be in the woods, right? I wanted to be in the fields. I wanted to just be like buried in there doing some like hippie shit, climb trees, do all the stuff. Like I would just go out there for hours by myself and it wasn't deemed valuable, right? So I threw that part away. I was like, yeah, of course. And it's logical. This is the shitty part. It's logical. Yeah. I can't do my chores if I'm buried out in the woods, right? I was upset for a second, but like, yeah, you guys are right. Right. That makes sense. If I'm doing this, I can't do that. So I was like, all right, well, fuck that part of me. When really it's like, no, no, no. That was like, get get him back. Like that's the most valuable part of like your untain. like it's just free will expressing itself through creative potential. Like I train that all day in corporate America, all day in people that are making pivots. And it's like, oh, I'm not creative or I feel stuck. And I'm like, you're not stuck. You're just a jigsaw puzzle that is missing pieces. So we talk about going back through collecting those pieces. The easy ones are easy to come get, right? It's like, yeah, I'm really proud of that thing I did. Or, like, I'm really proud of, like, having a podcast. I'm really proud of, like, you know, social media. I'm really proud of these businesses. And it's like, well, what are the things you're not proud of, right? And are you willing to be vulnerable to go back to collect those things? Because, like, that's what's going to fuel your art. That's what's going to be your motivator. That's a different kind of fuel when you're not just one part of you. You're not just the good, but you're all of it. Right, like you're not just optimistic, you're not just this, but you can sit dead in the middle and say, this sucks, but this was good, but this sucked and that was bad, and all of these things, and live in the now, right? That's where like I see people in their power.
1: So, um, you mentioned the word. You've mentioned the word vulnerability a lot. Like, was has your uh, relationship with that word transformed it all through? Your life, you know, like for me, I think about myself and I viewed that as weakness for a long time, and now I view it quite the opposite. But I'm just curious, um, kind of what your relationship with the words looked like, what and and kind of if it's evolved at all, um, because it's it's come up a lot in this conversation. It's a really powerful word, and it's, it's one that I think is often misconstrued, especially around men, um, and, and how we oh, view yeah. vulnerability.
2: Yeah, like I, 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 I'm just gonna like just talk brass tacks here i am a like very masculine man i got i just chopped a beard off i had a big ass beard i like hit the gym i lift heavy shit up i'm in phenomenal shape i'm a very masculine man and i will sit there with earrings and painted toenails in the middle of the fucking park and do tea time with 50 unicorns with my daughter but that's not vulnerability vulnerability is me being able to like sit with my therapist to sit with my partner, to sit with the people that I love and go, I need help. Like I need help guys. Like I feel broken. I feel sad. I feel upset. I feel like I don't know what I'm doing. I feel like everything is working and I don't know why I'm not happy. That's vulnerability. That's like sitting in the stuff and that's like making the discernment to go, hey, this is what is real right now. Like this, it doesn't get more real than this, right? It is, like, the level of honesty that you're able to have with yourself and your capacity to, like, transfigure that and transform that into something more, into something different, into, like, honesty with other folks. Man, that's hard. And it's painful. It's, it's not like you're, like, sitting there like, oh, yeah, yeah, today was great. Like, you know, got seven new clients and I got signed up, like, you know, uh, Bank of America for, like, a, you know, a $200,000 contract. Like, yeah, it's fantastic. It's like, no what do you do when you still have all of those things and you still don't love yourself? That's, that's vulnerability, right? It, it's that capacity to be truly honest.
0: What would you call the, that's you know, such a powerful example that you use of what isn't vulnerable vulnerability. And, and it's just, that's one thing where it's like sometimes we can jokingly make a fool of ourselves in public and we would think, Oh, I'm being vulnerable and look at me. I'm totally secure. and, what would you call maybe that versus what is true vulnerability, just so that we, we as men can continue to distinguish the difference between what's at the surface versus what you just described, which sounds a whole lot deeper?
2: Yeah, I think I think it's it's a spectrum, right? I think it's a gateway and you walk through different doors at different times. Like um, I recognized how shallow of a parent I was going to be if my daughter didn't see the different sides of that Um, like if she really couldn't see me being upset if she didn't see me cry ever um, like being out like that's being playful like what I was doing with my daughter like there was like social restrictions on like oh yeah men men don't put earrings or like paint their nails and like go out no that's that no that's not right right like men men don't do that right and it's like well most men right based on social standards don't go do that right and the only, reason that would, the only thing that would stop me from doing that at the park or the coffee shop is what we do a lot of the time we go to the coffee shop and go do those things is, like, me giving too many shits of what other people think, right? But really, what breaks down to is, like, I will let my daughter, like, that's the type of guy when she's old enough, like, I want her to date the guy that is willing to, like, go do unicorn shit in the park with their kids down the road, right? Like... I'm trying to create a standard of acceptance of self over acceptance of others. Because honestly, at the end of the day, like <laughs> this, was, this was like the hardcore realization. My daughter was six months and I was broke and we were walking around Marietta Square and I had her in this little backpack and I saw this dad, literally, I don't even know what he was doing. His daughter was painting his nails in like the square at the farmer's market. And I looked at him, and he looked at me, and the dude was, like, happy. Like, he was blissed out, right? Just he and his daughter chilling, nothing. He had a coffee, a little hot chocolate, and he was just getting his nails painted. And his daughter was chatting like a mockingjay, and he's just sitting there listening. And, like, he's there, right? He's with her, right? He's nowhere else. He's not spread. He's not on his phone. He's not anywhere. He's with her. And he looks up. And looks at me and he nods. And I was like, fuck. The only reason that I would ever give a shit is if I'm not with her, right? That's the only way I would ever give a shit is if I'm not with her. Like if we're at the coffee shop and like somebody's over there and like judging and like all this other stuff. And I can't tell you the number of people that have come up to us doing whatever the frog that we're doing or if I'm playing it and run around or I'm like sweaty and gross at the park or whatever the heck it is. And like dad's coming up and saying like, Thank you for reminding me to play. Like mom's coming up and saying, like, thank you for like playing with my kid. Like their dad's been sick in the hospital. Like all these crazy things start to come up when you just show up authentically. And for me to show up authentically, it's again that vulnerability. It's that passageway of like, oh no, I'm always kittens and rainbows. Like everything's always good, right? And it's like, no, like I have bad days too, but the contrast of knowing that things can be bad allows you to experience the things that are good in a different light.
1: So you said something there that was uh, that I liked, which was the acceptance of self over the acceptance of others, and I, I was uh, at the at the bar last weekend, and I was talking to someone, and I would have just had no idea, but they said like you know they opened up to me a little bit, and they're like you know I just. Um, I, I've been really thinking about, like, what other people think about me lately because I haven't posted on Instagram in a year, and I, don't, I, I feel like people are thinking that, like, what's what's going on with her? Like, why is she not posting? Like, there must be something wrong with me. There must be something wrong with her. And so, and it just hit me of, like, how, you know, because I've gotten a lot better at it, but for a lot of people, just how much we care about what other people think and, and accepting ourselves over accepting others. Like, how do we get to that place? Because I know, I mean... I think I'm a work in progress. I've gotten a lot more, I think I've been a lot better at it. Um, but I'm just curious, like how that process has worked for you, that acceptance process.
2: Dude, I'm the same. Like I, I, I'm like such a work in progress. Like I'm trying to think what, what it was. So my daughter and I go to, our, our Saturdays and Sundays have been like the same for like three years, right? We go to a museum, we go to the coffee shop, we go to the bookstore and we go to the park and we call her and do something. And we were at the museum and I'm trying to remember, like something popped up and I got like really embarrassed with something. I, I can't remember for the life of me what it was. And I was like, oh, no, 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 we're not gonna go do that or something like that. And I was like, w- <laughs> why, like why, why do I care, right? Like there's like probably like you know 100 kids running around and it's when my ego is bigger than my capacity to play. And like play is my, my innate value. Like I'm a playful person, like really. And when I take things too seriously, I know that I have gone off the deep end of like, okay, we need to like flip the script. Acknowledge, shift, pivot, right? Like, yeah, I feel embarrassed. I feel embarrassed because like I am starting to care what other people think. I'm gonna validate that. I'm gonna accept that. And then I'm gonna give myself permission to change, right? And I went through that entire sequence and I was like, oh my gosh, like this is like the most silly thing. But it's when you can let those values come through and like the ego cares about what other people think. The ego needs to be validated in what it does, not who it is. Right, over and over and over again. And this is what we see. The Stoics talk about this. Um, Socrates talked about this. Plato talked about this, right? Um, like so many of these different um, like uh, classic literatures, like uh, Count of Monte Cristo has a huge like rippling chord through a lot of these different novels of like, oh, identity, right? You kind of got to like know who you are and then know how that got formed and then look at the values underneath those things. Because at the end of it, I don't want to have to go through and I, I constantly compare this to like what my dad probably got to experience after he died, which was my dad was like a pretty serious person. Right. But he really wasn't right. Like I, I hear stories of like people that he went to school with in high school and you're like your dad was like a jokester. Right. Like he was super playful all the time. Wasn't an asshole. Right. He was super respectful. Grew up on the farm. Right. I'm sure there was like Willow Swatches back there somewhere. But it's like your dad was just really playful. And like me and my brother both picked that up a lot but when i get too serious and i start to care about what other people think especially in social media right like social media is a trash fire for that but i'm not doing social media to go out there and get validation right my my goal on social media is not to point to like my why but to show the what and the how and i constantly try to diffuse responsibility of like how i did it onto the strategy in the system so that other people can take the strategy in the system despite it being me Right, because it honestly, it doesn't have anything to do with me. It has to do with the strategies that I've deployed—mental, emotional, physical strategies—over and over and over again. And when I put the responsibility onto those, it takes a lot of responsibility off of me. Because I don't—I don't really give a shit, right? At this point, like truly, like when you're regulated, when you're happy, and things are working, you don't give a fuck. Like, honestly, like, I think everybody's kind of gotten to that point. Whether you're, like, three margaritas in, and you're like, you know what? Fuck that. Like, all this, like, this, none of this really matters anymore. Like, I want to go do this shit. This is, like, um, back in like undergrad. I had, like, one friend, and, like, when he had, like, three drinks, you just got to watch him because the thing that makes him the most happy is adventures, period, right? He's literally an explorer now. But the thing that makes him the most happy was adventures. So when we know that – I'm not going to say his name, but, like, if Tony gets, like, three drinks in – make sure that tony's got flip-flops on and it's cold outside because if not tony's going to be off in the woods exploring you got to keep an eye on his ass right or else he's gone you can't find his so like and it's like look at him like living his innate values right like that's what we should all do is go out and have like that lust for adventure and that lust for like living through those values
0: and it sounds like you have to back to your slushy icy cup example it sounds like you have to free up a lot of space to be able to figure out what that is um, I want to pivot a little bit just yep. from uh, one of the themes that we've been having conversations recently about have been, has been the relativity of people's problems um, and this toxic comparison of if my problems are worse than yours, then we ultimately will diminish each other's problems such that no problems exist. I'm wondering, I want to go back to the humiliation you were feeling when your brother had to take care of you because you were physically unable that's something that you didn't seem like you had much time and opportunity to go back and work on or work through because of all of the ensuing events that therefore then happened after. Did you find yourself in that same mindset just within yourself of who cares about my humiliation? Here's what else I have going on. And did you have to then go back and work through that at all?
2: Yeah, definitely. So um, my brother is like my best friend still. Um, We have like but we talk every single day, literally that ding, if you guys heard that, that was him like
0: doo doo
2: um going off inside of that, like my ears must be ringing, right, um, but he and I have an amazing relationship, and he and I have done work separately and together on losing our dad through suicide, and it sucks it 's like it 's like not like oh my gosh, like let 's go like do ayahuasca down in peru and like life will make sense it's like no we're gonna sit down with a cup of coffee and this trauma therapist and we're gonna talk about how bad that sucked and like how fucked up it made our lives right and it's like oh yeah it made our lives like this and then like 20 minutes in he and i are like yelling at each other 25 minutes in i'm like dude yeah that's like so we go through and we did all this work right to get to like the capacity because all relationships if they're all kittens and rainbows all the time it's building up intrinsic bad pressure and it's gonna explode, right? So like, again, you have to like stay in that balance point in the middle of like being able to lean to either side and just having perspective to choose. Like somebody breaks down my front door when my daughter's inside. I don't go, hey, like, what's up? Yeah, come on in. Like, what what do you need? What do you need? Oh, you want my kid? Yeah, yeah, yeah. no, no, baby, you'll figure this thing. i am like, fuck that. Like when shit like that happens, like it flips a switch in me and I'm not kind, compassionate anymore. Like you came into daddy's den and you're gonna like, pay the consequences of that, right? So that's that's bad for that person, right? Probably not really beneficial for me, but I got a bad side to me if you mess with my kid. Same way if somebody like, oh, well I see that you're having like a tea party. Do you mind if my little girl sits down and has tea party with you and your daughter? Yeah, sit out, chill, right? I got a kind side, like I'm gentle as a kitten. Um, those two things kind of play hand in hand, but I didn't have the capacity to be both of those men until I did a lot of this work until I could feel the level of humility that I did and go back and integrate that with my brother because but can you imagine being i was twenty four and my brother was having to like completely strip me down right like butt ass naked and I was like got catheterized from this car accident like I was got messed up right, and he's like holding my folly and, like, taking me into the shower because I can't stand, right? And he's bathing me, like, literally getting a sponge bath from my older brother. And, like, again, masculine guy, bearded, dude, bench presses 350 on, like, a bad day. Like, he's – and he's just, like, picking me up, manhandling me, and putting me in the bed. And then, like, we're not saying a word because, like, what what are we supposed to do? It's just the thing that we had to do. So we go back and have those things, like – that's that was weird wasn't it that was like how we start these conversations like that was weird wasn't it man like remember when you used like he's like yeah man i was like that sucked for me like like dude i can't tell you how bad that sucked for me and he goes i know it did and then like we're crying right and we work through it but that's what it takes like that's that's the that level of honesty when like you know something to be true and then you gotta practice verbalizing that, like more and more so. And you can practice it through journaling, you'll practice it through podcasts. Even if the podcasts and things you record never get released, like that's how I got started. iPhone, audio, voice notes. And I'd just share, and I'd listen to some of it and I'd be like, no, that's that's weird, right? That, that that doesn't sound right, right? And then <laughs> two years later, going back and picking up the pieces of me that I was trying to unpack shame and I shame myself for trying to get rid of the shame. like. No, it's not get rid of the shame. It's, it's absorb it. It's bring it back.
1: So, Chris, you've talked a lot about self-regulation, and I don't think we've talked about it much on this podcast uh, with any of our guests thus far. So I'd just love for you to elaborate on this concept of self-regulation a bit and maybe just some, like, quick tips, tricks our listeners could benefit from um, that, that would help them, you know, self-regulate
2: yeah so self-regulation is the capacity that we all have to turn on areas of our nervous system that allow you to do this type of work right so i am a fond believer that if i take an acorn and i throw it on the blacktop it's not going to grow into an oak tree right the environment is limiting its expressed potential and that was me i was like all right i feel like i'm just in a bad environment right over and over again but it's over the external environment truly it's not it's the internal environment then it's like, well, what is the internal environment? And I was like, well, I need the most practical thing that I can possibly get. And then somebody was like, yeah, I think you should like take this, like, you know, you get your choice to take electives when you get about halfway through these programs. And they're like, ah, oh, you should take neuroscience. And I was like, that's a hard, like, nobody really takes it because it's so much work. And they're like, yeah. And I was super late to signing up for classes. So I was like, no, I'm not going to take it. I'm going to take, like, I don't even know, ethics or something like that. Um, and. Yeah, I was so late that the only thing left was neuroscience. So I to go into neuroscience. And I was like, whoa, 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 wait a second. Explain that again. Slower. Explain it to me like I'm five. Explain it to me like I'm three. Explain it to me like I, I don't understand anything. Explain it to me like my second language. And the teacher like, kind of had known what was going on with me because I was broken. Like I – right now I'm like 175, 5'9", and like really healthy, right? Like run a two-mile under 12. Like I do all the things. But back then I was like 130. And, like, gray. Like, I I was so pale. I was so unhealthy. And, like, he saw this spark come alive inside of me of, like, whoa, wait, 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 wait. You're telling me that if this area of my brain is turned off, that, like, long-term thinking is not available? Emotional expression is not available? Like, learning is not available? Because, like, school is really hard right now. And he's, like, yeah. So if you're stressed the first thing that goes is grandma's cookies, right? Like the things that like you love about yourself and kindness and compassion and empathy. Like if you're being chased by a bear, you don't stop and ask the bear, "Oh my gosh, who did your nails?" Like, "Oh my God, that's so amazing. That was the most who did that?" Right? Like it's like, "No, no, no, no. Get the fuck out of there." Right? But that same physical stress can also mirror psychological stress can also mirror guilt, shame, depression, anxiety, dysregulation, all of those things. And it turns off the frontal cortex. And I'm like having this light bulb moment. I'm like, my frontal cortex has never been on, <laughs> right? Like I've never had my nervous system regulated. Like I've just been a trash fire my entire life. So I started to understand that and I'm like, okay, so that thing's off, I get big sad, big scared, big dumb, big stupid, big sick. How do you turn it on, right? And this is where the world of self-regulation starts to come in. Like, well, there's certain practices that start to rewire and frame and plasticity comes in. You can stress the frontal cortex in order to turn it on. Same, like, I want bigger biceps. It's like, okay, well, you don't run to get bigger biceps. You do curls to get bigger biceps, right? And most people are doing that exact thing for their nervous system where it's like, okay, I want to get a stronger like frontal cortex. I want more cardiovascular. I want this. I want that. And what they go do is essentially like saying, I want bigger biceps. Go run. And they do that with their nervous system. It's like, okay, I'm gonna go do mindset work. And it's like, no no, no no no, you don't need mindset work yet. You do, yes, but like that's phase two or three. What you need right now is focus, deliberate focus. And you need to do that through these specific channels, right? And I'm starting to incorporate that. So when I talk about like stress management and self-regulation, those two worlds kind of go hand in hand. So we talk about physical stress, sleep, diet, exercise, habit formation. Then once that's been completed and we got a little bit of a platform to that then we stack up to mental stress this is certainty scheduling values and mental models once we get that we can stack up and go to the next level which is emotional regulation this is somatics this is emotional intelligence and this is trauma integration once we have all those things then we go to the next level which is relationships this is community culture communication once we have all of that we can kind of go to bigger things so we can go from egocentric to world-centric to ethocentric to uh ethnocentric we can start to stack all of these things up um but at the baseline like everybody wants to go to like uh self-ascension self-actualization at the top of the pyramid right and then they crash right because they don't have the skill set to hold themselves up in those choppy waters because like if you don't know who you are and you go into self-actualization world you're like oh my gosh yeah of course, like you read all of these books and it's like, "Oh my God, yes, oh my God, yes, oh my God, yes like can you disagree with people like do you have the capacity to disagree and say, yeah, that's an idea, but I think that's dumb in my life right yeah, I do that all the time now because I have a sense of identity but that's where self-regulation really builds up is like all right train the frontal cortex, train the temporal lobes train all of these different things so like when stress comes, yeah turn off the frontal cortex for a second, recognize when that's off for me and then be able to turn it back on. And I use technology, I use strategy. So it's like, hey, like Aura Ring is a really great one, right? I use that all the time with a lot of my different clients and Mendy is a really great one, it's a great tool. And I'm like, hey, your Cortex is not online as much as it is, or if like you have a huge business meeting or if we're doing like company mergers or um, we're doing a lot of these things like, hey, we're about to go for like a second seed round at like $4 billion, $400 billion or $400 million. It's like, you know what we really need right now? Like I need you to get so much sleep That when that day comes, like, you're just pissing excellence, right? And that means, like, we're going to prep two weeks prior. So we're going to fill up that sleep debt because, like, you're a startup and all you've been doing is some dumb stuff, coffee till 6 p.m. at night, and all you're doing is eating sushi? Great. We're going to go on this whole foods diet. You're going to walk, run, gym three times a week. You're going to go social community. We're going to do all these things and regulate. And then they're like, this stuff is so dumb. And they show up on the day that they got to go get, like, you know, $100 million from investors. And they crush it. And they're like, my bad. Like, you were right. Right. You're you're absolutely right. Like, this is not a caffeine-fueled, like, rainbow dream. This is a, like, consistent process that I can deliberately create. Like, high performance is never an accident. You're never lucky. It's every single time it's trained in some way, shape, or form.
0: Wow, um, it's... I love the rainbow caffeine dream um, metaphor that you just dropped. That's, but, I mean, everybody you know, gets addicted to that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you, At
2: the start of everything. really this is people, on, yeah. people get caught up on this really, like uh, more than anything. Like you start a podcast and you, all the novelty of starting it, getting the equipment, it drives a lot of that change. And then once stability happens and they hit that mark, people don't get that rush anymore. And this is where they stop this is where it's like, yeah, this isn't really working and they're not quite getting the results. I watch people stall themselves out once they hit stability all the time, every single day of my life, right? And it's like, no, 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 this is good, right? You're so used to chaos that it feels like home, but you've got a strategy, breathe. This is performance, right? This is certainty. You're like, you're so used to living in a world of chaos that like, this feels crazy, but it's not, it's normal. This is normal. Right? And I have to do that with like CEOs and entrepreneurs every single day. Like, I just I feel I don't have my edge anymore. No, the edge was Adderall, cocaine, and hookers. Okay? What you have now is a sick relationship with a badass woman that loves you unconditionally. Your business is consistently doing twenty percent better quarter over quarter, you're healthy, you're fit, and they're like, You're right. Yeah, it was the cocaine and the hookers. It was the constant adrenaline-seeking behaviors of dysregulation because that's what your amygdala wants. That's what your stress systems want. They want, I don't know how much time I got, so we're going to live in scarcity. Strippers, hookers, blow, drink. Strippers, hookers, co- and then I wake up, pop an Adderall, do whatever this is, and then it's like, oh, wait, wait, wait a second, guys. Like, that that ain't it, right? Like, let's, let's look at your biometrics. Like, all right, so your oxygen saturation is that of, like, somebody that has tuberculosis and an iron lung. So, like, if I try to take you for a walk right now, you're going to sound like a pug dog in pollen season. This ain't it, right? So, like, let's get you a little cardiovascular fitness, right? Like, how much caffeine are you drinking? Well, like, all right, how much water are you drinking? Like, those simple things. But it's throwing numbers in people's face that usually gets it to them.
0: Yeah, awesome stuff. We'd love to pick your brain on something um, just from a place of, like, how you ultimately went from – almost unable to take care of yourself, woe is me and, and grieve, grieving to now I want to give back and help others and get into the coaching space specifically. It's something that Matt has talked about when he's worked through his um, uh, his curve, if you will, and ultimately getting to a place where now he just wants to help and, and give back and, and share. Um, is there like a state of consciousness growth there from like grief and shame to then anger, fear, and courage to then gratitude and new you help impart like your wisdom around that just your evolution to getting to the point where you ultimately wanted to give back and coach <laughs> yeah
2: um, I, I'm going to just be like super honest thank you for saying that there's like wisdom coming out of my face hole today um, so there was this post that somebody uh, sent me like two years ago and I was like this is so dumb but it was like it was not really dumb it's like med would rather become life coaches than deal with their own shit <laughs> it's like Oh hey <laughs> yeah, like that's 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 weird, like, and that was like for sure, like I had stepped into that space like I will, I 100 percent acknowledge that right i like, I can help you like self-regulate for sure, right like let me help, and what I was really doing is like, let me try to fix me through you, right? But what you constantly step into and recognize it's like your clients will outperform you within days right and it'll turn into like sessions for you instead of sessions for them really really fast so like i i now work and i was working with you know business owners that were going from like you know their first you know five figures a month to like all right i'm doing multiple six or they're making like half a mil a year and stuff like that and that's a certain breed of person right especially if you bootstrap and like do that on your own you got no team you're just doing it solo social media like great and you build up a company that way that's a certain breed of person the person that I now work with is that next breed of person that does that and they turn it into a corporation. So now they're doing tens of millions and they want to get nine figures. Those are the people that I want to work with. That they're like, they've gotten themselves into like a you know top 5% performer and now it's refinement, right? That's what they want. And like that refinement requires not like really heavy, coarse, gritty sandpaper, anymore to like get down the rough edges this requires laser precision and like accountability in a way that they've never experienced it's telling them to their face this isn't right right and having that level of conviction and that is hard to get to a point where you can say that and like not say it to like be right but say it because it'll help them be better that stuff is like painful like that's that's a hard space to get to but you get to like phase one where if you want to be like a successful coach you put yourself out there like and this is like the shitty part for men like i keep saying vulnerability over and over and over again it's like on my podcast like i put myself in that light in like my examples of like no this is like this is what i felt like for me if you think that, like, getting to, like, where right. I'm at right now was, like, just, like, oh, yeah, it just happened this way and, you know, some of my stuff just, like, really blew up and, like, whoops the daisies and so happy this happened. Now it's, like, no, 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 I had been, like, single for, like, five and a half years, solo, picking up the bones of, like, anything that I could possibly do. I was living off $1. thirty-seven for, like, years per day, right, which was, like, $7 a week, right, $8 a week really close to eight dollars a week and it was like okay that's like sardines and black beans and like i could get a bag of coffee and i was good and i was like pretty much stealing coffee from like you know hotels and stuff like that like it's not a joke right but like i'm sharing that in a way that's like oh i'm not trying to like prove myself in that way but it's like i'm i'm inspiring that based on my level of like what it took me so that hopefully you understand that this is not supposed to be as gentle as you think it is so that you don't think that it has to like be a specific way because like like you guys have been talking about like judgment is the thief of joy and the breaks of progress consistently because when people start to look at like my life and they're like oh my gosh like how'd you do that right i get that a lot like how'd you manage that like how'd you start this up or how'd you do that how'd you do this and it's like honestly it's been consistency like that and nobody wants to hear that It's like, and it's the consistency of like my own discipline. It's the consistency of going to the gym. It's the consistency of waking up at four forty-five and like waking up and like acknowledging to myself: I woke up today, and I was like, I am so mother-loving tired. But this is what we do. I took away the choices, right? That's the biggest thing. Like, if you want more discipline, take away the choices. Because the more choices there are, the longer you can think about what the choices are, and when you get into thinking about what the choices are, discipline dissipates. So hammering down on some of those things and just acknowledging who you are, how you do it, and then working that thing to death, right? Like I am not a fan of like the Renaissance man. I am like the what are you good at? Be the razor blade of that right so when somebody like needs something cut they don't think like when somebody says like oh self-regulation for like burnt out entrepreneurs they think of me right like there's there's not another person that like steps up to that plate like that is where like brand ripples through in value right so like the values of my brand come through in a lot of those different things i'm not sharing that to like validate myself i'm doing that because i know what it's like and those two things are different
1: yeah no, i think it I think it's a great point just because I think about myself in this show and like, you know, we started this show and I think on the second episode, you know, I I, I came out publicly, if you will, and I, and I did that because partly for myself, but also partly because, you know, it's like we, when we're talking about why we started the show, it's like, well, it was out of, you know, my insecurities, but it's like I wasn't being totally vulnerable. Like, yeah, okay, saying I have insecurities, it's vulnerable to an extent, but like I, I felt like I had to share what i was going through in 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 an effort to hopefully lead by example and inspire others to do the same so that's why i totally i was resonating when you were saying like at first you were just like i don't want to just be like well yeah i was kind of going through some stuff like here and there and i kind of worked through it kind of haven't like you were very direct about what exactly in in depth about what you were going through in an effort to um show others that like yeah this this shit's not easy um yeah but it's 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 important and paramount to uh to, to growth um Chris, and we're just kind before, of at time here. Did you have a, I know. Yeah, go
2: I gotta. We gotta celebrate you for a second, dude. First off, if you did that on the second episode, did, props to you, right? Because like that's a thing. Like that's not like a, oh my gosh, like so cool. Like that's a fucking thing, dude. So first, celebrate the overwhelming shit out of that. And I just want to bring it back up because you like you deserve to be celebrated. But like the other like truth behind that is like at the start of it, you don't know what you don't know. It's so, like if you're doing it and like to heal, fucking it, do it to heal. Right? Do it to understand. Do it to like do a lot of those things. Like, I definitely 400% started my shit to like try to like <laughs> make money, like to try to start a business, to try to do some of those things. And then slowly and gradually over time, I was like, all right, I'm really selfish about this. Like, I'm doing this in a way that like probably isn't super like not sustainable. So, the fact that like you've gone in, acknowledged that, witnessed that, and then recognized that that part of you is intrinsic, got connected right through purpose and shared that. Not for the sake of like, I need somebody to like validate that this is the thing for me, but you're doing it out of a space of service. So, like, other men out there can come out and like recognize your bravery. Like, bravery is contagious, confidence is contagious. So, the fact that you did that publicly, like, can you imagine, even if one person, right, one person goes out and they recognize and they hear that message, like, you changed their life forever. One person, you changed that person's life forever. And like, that's how I try to go through a lot of these things, too. If like, I could change just one person, right? If somebody just like hears this and like just recognizes like it hits home in any way, one person, that one person would have been my dad. Could have been my dad, right? And I've been so blessed to have messages from people that have been like in a bad place, right? It only takes one person. It only takes one sentence. It only takes one post. It only takes one reel. It only takes one bit of content to make sure that somebody is still there at christmas so i just want to acknowledge that. that. thank you for that chris
1: yeah no i really i really appreciate that i appreciate the kind words um and the acknowledgement so uh we've got three rapid fire questions for you to wrap this thing up um the first one is what is the best piece of advice you've ever been given or just like a favorite quote
2: uh best piece of advice or favorite quote I think the best piece of advice I ever got was just doing the 1% every single day. Like that, the, the thing that you owe yourself when you wake up in the morning is not perfection. It's not, you know, achievement. It's 1%, right? And being able to label that thing, I mean, that, that, that has been the thing that has driven my success in, in everything. Like people forget that time rolls no matter what. If that's a consistent changing factor that you're going to be able to sustain... Awesome. Like use it. So if I would journal on a sticky note every single day, one sentence every single day in a year, I will be the best sticky note writer you've ever seen. Right? And people constantly forget that. So instead of doing it today, they'll like, I'll do it tomorrow, but then tomorrow becomes next year and I see this all the time too. Somebody asks like, Oh my gosh, like you you talk to like millions of people now and it's like, Yeah, but I started off talking to my grandma, right? she was the only person commenting on my shit <laughs> I love her so much oh my god, she's still every single day like oh you're so great I love you so much miss you so much and it's like I love you so much grandma and at the same time like being able to like validate a lot of those different pathways of like okay and then it started with a random person and then two and then three but it's only one percent that's, that's, that's the thing that stuck out the most
1: so the next question is if you could have dinner with anyone in the world that are alive who would it be and why
2: I'd have dinner with my dad for sure in a heartbeat yeah um i would bring my daughter and i i would introduce them i would say hey it's your granddaughter he never got to meet her um and that's one of those things that i still work on a lot is like i'm mad at him right now um and i'm working through that a lot but i just so wish that she would have been able to meet him
1: yeah, that, that's beautiful. Um, and then lastly, just like, what do you like to do in your free time? Hobbies? I think you kind of touched on some of them, but...
2: Yeah. Um, sounds I, like reading, I, I read, running. yeah, I read. I, I, I fuck with books. Um, but I still, play, I still play soccer a lot. Um, I'm really, really lucky. I live down by the beach um, down here in Florida, so I paddleboard a lot. I swim a lot. I go for a lot of walks on the beach. Um, I really like puzzles. Um, like, if you ever go to Barnes & Noble, Barnes & Noble in the back... 40 uh of like their toy department has like these really cool puzzles that you can like constantly work on um so what i'll do is at the end of my day no more neuroscience no more business strategy no more harvard talks um it's sit down do dinner clean up the house put my daughter to sleep put my headphones on i listen to like high fantasy books go for it right and i work on puzzles i'll do you know i was my goal was like all right i want to be able to do a rubik's cube in under like a minute that and then i moved on to different puzzles um that's what i do or i just am smashing my brother in super smash brothers on switch when he gets his kid to sleep
1: (laughs) (laughs) that's awesome i think that we've asked now like almost 35 or 40 guests that question never had puzzles very unique very interesting very cool um all right chris we're gonna wrap up here thanks again for your time and for sharing your wisdom with our listeners we we really appreciate it thank you thanks it's been my
2: pleasure guys yeah thank you